Hello and welcome to the Screen Chronicles. I'm Colby and with me as always is Steve. And today we are joined by one of the core brethren of the Uhtred Bro group. You will know him as Citric from The Last Kingdom. Arnis Federovicius, welcome to the Screen Chronicles. Thank you for having me, Steve. Thank you for having me very much. And Colby. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm very excited. I've never, apart from that one uh, random podcast on set, I've never done one. I listened to tons of them. So it's just, uh, it's oh, good yeah? to be part of. Cool. Well, we enjoyed your podcast for sure. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was some fun stuff. What, what are some podcasts that you like to listen to? I like comedy a lot. So I, okay. I love listening to Bill Burr rambling. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love that Burr. every week. I also love uh, Bat Friends very much oh. with uh, Andrew Santino and Bobby Lee. Okay. And on this side of the river, I really enjoy this, this Irish guy called The Blind Boy. So I like oh. a kind of comedy and historical podcasts. I love history very much. So that's Okay, so it's kind of perfect that you landed in Last Kingdom. Is that a time period that you really like when you talk um, about love and history? I think, I think I've like... I wasn't so much into history when I was in school, but I think around the time that I joined Last Kingdom, there were more, um, well, there was because we needed to research the time a little bit. And out of that, I've sort of formed this new love for history. I spend most of the time studying, a lot of time studying like 20th century history. Very much. It's a very, it's a very different time in our history in terms of what's been, you know, what we've been exposed to. Totally. But uh, that era is also is something that I like reading about and listening about. Very yeah. interesting. So where are you right now? I'm currently in London, the UK. Cool. Um, is this okay if I keep moving around a little bit? Whatever yeah. you want. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm currently in London. I'm going to be here for a little bit longer and then um, we'll hopefully go to Budapest soon. Yeah. Yeah, congrats on the um, approval of season five. We are pumped yeah. for that. And congrats on the success of season four because uh, you guys really killed it again. You know, you guys killed it every time so far, but this time it seemed like you guys got some recognition um, being number one on IMDb and being in the top 10 on Netflix for a while. So it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very, I mean, because when you do a job, you don't, you never know what's it going to be like. And you never, I mean, I personally try to let go of it. You just do your job and then it's either going to work or it's either or it's not going to work and it's just nice to have it's really nice to have this recognition and 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 people enjoying the show so much is this just feels good it feels really nice yeah that's awesome and we really feel that it's not really huge where we are yet we're trying to like spread the word as much as we can um and it is growing pretty big um but uh we kind of like that we found it when it wasn't massive you know what i mean right Mm -hmm. steve yeah yeah I was like finding those uh, bands and stuff that no one else really loves, <laughs> but they're great still. You know, that's so that's yeah. that's when we got into it. Uh, was right after season. Yeah, what three. kind of bands? What are what kind of bands are not very known but are very good? Well, um, I like I listen to uh, it's it's kind of more of a mainstream alternative, I guess. But like Florence and the Machine, I think a lot okay. of people might have heard some of her music. Mm, yeah. I like her. Um, yeah. And then Matchbox Twenty, I love them, but they're not really mainstream anymore. I, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. All of, all of my bands are not really well known, <laughs> and I think they're pretty good. No, <laughs> but um, I I like a band called Ghost, who I kind of found when they were kind of nobody. I don't know. Oh if my you like god, Ghost! Ghost the, wait, what? What is it like? They're Swedish. Do they, do they sing in it, or is it just music? They sing oh. in it. Okay, no, no, I thought it was. They're different. Go. Yeah, there's a lot of ghosts out there. The name 
yes but this one um i found them when they were like nobody i've seen them eight times now and i think before the third show i saw them they won a grammy and then they blew up and now they were playing arenas and it was kind of cool to see them grow but i guess they're big now so 12 foot ninjas one from australia that's kind of not known well and they're pretty awesome so Give them a little no. shout out. What are, is that? Is that like Rocky? Is that rock type of thing? <laughs> I'm sorry, because it's it's indie-ish, but it's also okay. like has a classic touch to it. But what's this? Twelve Foot Ninja is uh, it's a mix of heavy metal, reggae, Ooh. jazz fusion. Wow! <laughs> put, it, put it all in a blender, mix it together, and that's what you got. So it's weird to go to their shows because. You'll just be, you'll be like a mosh or just going nuts. And then all of a sudden they'll cut to like jazz fusion and you just kind of, you know, vibe with it. And uh, it's a kind of weird feeling. That sounds <laughs> interesting. It is interesting. They were super funny too. They got like funny music videos and stuff. Just, mm. Yeah. But what do you listen to? What kind of stuff? Um, lately I've been very, very much into country music. I've really? Like, like who? My, my, my Spotify made my most listened to tracks list of last year and Blaze Foley was number one. Okay. So I love Blaze Foley very, very much. I've been listening to him and over and over again. Then this guy called Johnny Paycheck. So I'm like in, okay. in that like 70s, late 60s, 70s. Okay, yeah. So they're kind of um, old fashioned country compared to like yeah. modern radio country. Yeah. So like even like gunslinger type of stuff. Like, um, yeah. Name. Oh my God! I forgot this. This is one of the most beautiful singers. Ah, oh, I'll have to look it up. I'll, I'll have to look it up because it's very yeah. important. Yeah, the gun specifically. What I want to. I have to go for it. What, Marty Robbins. That's the one. Cool. Marty Robbins. If you ever heard of him, I have. So I'm into that lately. But I also love a lot of minimal techno. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, cool. I think I saw a post. You had like a board. I think it was your birthday post and you had a donut in your mouth. It looked like you were mixing something. Do you, do you kind of create your own music? Well, I've, uh, I was in LA before lockdown started. And one of the places that I was Airbnb at, um, the owners of the house, uh, the owner is, uh, is a producer. And at some point he's like, we're talking about music. He's like, do you want to learn mixing? And I was like, yeah, I kind of do. So he started teaching me like house music mixing and, and, and cool. all kinds of electronic music. So I, I decided there's a lot of, I have a lot of free time as this is still going on. Mm-hmm. So I just bought this little deck. It's like a, it's just for beginners. And every now and again, it's, it's, it's a great way to, uh, to bring your full attention to something. Totally. And, uh, and I love that. I love everything that requires your full attention. Mm-hmm. So, cause I'm like, I'm very hyper. So if something, oh, yeah. if there's no way out of this, like if I'm, if when you're acting, when you're working out and now doing this, this, it's only this, you can't focus on anything else. And I really appreciate because it, it invites me to focus. Otherwise oh, yeah. it's all over the place. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I love the process of creating music and, and just a creative process really with anything. Um, mm. That's a good yeah. way of putting it. Just kind of drawing your focus. And yeah, uh, I like doing anything that makes sure that I'm not, just mindlessly going on my phone or something, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I, I guess you get into this sort of a state of flow, you know, mm-hmm. and that flow could be, um, I guess, I think that's a good way to gauge it, if something that you're doing is something that you should be doing. If you yeah. get into the state of flow and everything around you disappears, then like, mm, you 
I try and do this again? <laughs> yeah, you're in the right place, you know? That's super cool. I like super looking cool. for flow. I like looking for flow. What are some other things you find uh, flow in? Um, well, definitely working out. Like, I, I really appreciate, like, boxing and, and combat sports. I like the hierarchy of, like, having a teacher and okay. giving my full respect to the teacher. So I appreciate, like, there's a sense of purpose that you get when you work out and if somebody else is supervising you do that you're like you have to give yourself fully to the person and just follow the orders let's say mm -hmm. and that in a way that takes you out of the flow because it takes you into the flow because you're you're in control of yourself but you're also there's this governing agent that tells you do this do that and you know following him mm. kind of gets me that i like writing I haven't yet wrote like anything novel or creative, but every day I try to, I sit down and write for like 30 minutes in the morning. Oh, cool. And that completely, there's nothing else. There's nothing else around you and everything like that. Cooking as well. Lately cooking. I've been into. What do you make? Um, lately I've been enjoying Asian kitchen because oh, okay. uh, I've been with a, like specifically Thai and Malay food. Because I was with a bunch of pe people that, and then invite someone over and they're like vegetarian. You're like, all right, what do I do with protein? So then you look up stuff and then you come up with stuff. And I don't know. It's, it's creative. Anything that's creative brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. Very cool. Can you very, tell very us then how you got into acting then? That, how that filled that creative side of you? Well, I spent a lot of times, time in, in the movies when I was very little. I um, was very lucky that my dad took me to see, I think I actually might, might have started off with, with Star Wars movies, if I'm not mistaken. Or it was one of the movies with Leslie Nielsen. What was, you remember those like crazy comedies like Airplane or whatever? Yeah, I love those. <laughs> Airplane movies. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember he took me there and I... And it sort of switched something in me because it's, I've never been to an, a cinema before. And I think I was like okay. four or five. And the sense of being in that room sort of over time formed into an addiction. And okay. um, as like, well, an addiction, just like a passion. So I, mm, passion. Yeah. I'd skip school a lot. I'd like, if I hate, like, I didn't like going to school very much. I think I was okay, but I didn't ever put too much effort in, I guess. And sometimes when I didn't like the classes, I'd, I'd skip school and go to movies instead and then come back to the school or to the math tutor that my parents put me in so that it could pick me up as if I did the actual studying thing. Okay. And uh, during that time, I think I was like around 13, 14. That's when I started going to movies like once, like twice or three times a week. Wow. And, and, and then I, and I, I started going alone. There was this accident like my friends invited me to watch there's this movie by Guy Ritchie called Revolver which is very underrated in my opinion okay. haven't seen and it. they invited me to see that movie and i happened to arrive at a different location than everyone else and i'm like well fuck it i'm here i'll still watch it <laughs> and that was the first time i went alone i think i was 14 and uh that just opened up a new gate for me. And I never, and I started walking, going there alone more often than with someone else. Yeah. And during that, I became more of a, 
it's, it wasn't just like a, like a pastime activity, but it was some sort of an engagement, a, a communication with the screen, if I may say. And during that time, I felt this, I kept feeling this like, I couldn't, I can't describe what's, what's, what it is, but it's like a force field after certain movies I'd walk out and you couldn't talk for a couple of hours or something like that. And I really got infatuated by that, that feeling. And as I kept watching movies, I just started feeling like that's something that I would one day like for other people to feel. And if sure. there's a way for me to be part of that. So I, I think I was at that time, I, I made a decision that I want to be with movies. I wasn't sure there in what capacity because one of my grandfather's late grandfathers was a sound director. So I was like, okay. do I want to be a sound director? Do I want to direct or do I want to act? So yeah, around then I really, I knew then that that's what I want to be in. I, I, I didn't know in which specific capacity, but I knew that movies is, is something that I have to do. Very yeah, it's cool. a long answer. No, yeah, no it's a good answer. <laughs> definitely, how'd, you, definitely. how'd you get into The Last Kingdom then from there? So I first started studying philosophy because my parents mm-hmm. didn't allow me to study acting. But I, I, I did a, like a movie in Lithuania, like an Italian project. It was my first shot at my movies. And at the time of Last Kingdom, I just moved back to London from Russia because I spent two and a half years living in, in Moscow. Wow. Because I fell in love. And, um, and that was, <laughs> that ended, I came back to London and at the time I was, uh, I was working as a, as a flyer guy, street promotions, you know, you hand out flyers for all kinds of sure whatever things. And I just got a self tape for it and, um, I did it and I completely forgot about it and I kept on doing the, the flyering job Okay. and one, and one day, um, I got a call back. I was like in the middle of in the middle of my shift, like six thirty in the morning, like promoting a gym or something. Like it was a time of my life as well. And I got a call back, and I completely forgot about it. And uh, my parents always wanted me to study, and I never like I studied a bit of philosophy, a bit of acting, and Lithuania, but I never really. I kept on dropping out of everything. So I promised my mom that I'm going to apply for RADA, which I did twice, which is Royal Academy of Dramatic Dramatic Arts, which is one of the biggest acting schools in, in England and the call back was on the same day that the audition for RADA was okay so I I told my mom that I still went but I didn't Not really. and I went to that call back and a couple of weeks later I got a call from my agent like you're there and then I called my mom and I told that I didn't get I just got the letter from RADA I didn't get into RADA but I got this other gig going and she was uh, she was quite happy she was she wasn't as happy that i still didn't study but um but i got into last kingdom so yeah so were you already a fan of the show because you joined in season two um had you seen season one of before before doing uh, before doing the audition like i've never i never watched it i i've it was always in my radar but i never just chose to watch it because at that time i wasn't into period dramas okay i think it was just before last kingdom that i started watching period dramas in general and I started liking them. So um, I didn't watch it before. But then I, once I got confirmed, I remember watching it. And it's such a stupid thing to say probably, but I, I don't know. But when the last episode, when Alex jump, jumped, sorry, Uhtred, Uhtred, jumped over the... <laughs> shield wall? 
shield wall. Do you remember that? Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, scared <laughs> the guy and jumped over the shield wall. I remember yeah. I cried. I started crying just like because it's like, I'm fucking part of this thing. And it's yeah. just so, it was so beautiful. And the, like, I watched the entire, binged the season in like two days. Yeah. And it built up to that moment. And when he made that jump, I, I, I realized how good of a show this is. Not because of that jump specifically, but it all played into that one moment for me. It built up to it, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I was, yeah, I was instantly a fan. That's yeah. awesome. It's such a well-crafted thing. And I know you mentioned about leaving the movie theater and having that, that sort of feeling, that sort of like you can't get out of your head and, and you're in the zone. Well, that's kind of the... Steve and I watched The Last Kingdom together. That's kind of how we were when we watched it. We had each other, though, to talk about it. Right. But we would discuss the show after a season or, or an episode or epic episode for like hours after the show. We'd just be talking <laughs> about you, it. How'd you guys find it? How'd you guys find it in the first place? Where'd you, who, who was the one to, to find the show? We were oh. both, we both just finished up uh, yeah. some other shows. I think we finished up. Yeah. Maybe. So we were roommates in grad school, Yeah. too. Right. And we were kind of binging shows um last kingdom kept coming across our radar radar and in all honesty the season one trailer never really like pulled us in um so we kind of always like well i don't know if we'd really like this and we kind of keep going and we just kind of ran out of other stuff to watch yeah i think we we were so wrong body so wrong (laughs) about that Mm -hmm. Uh, because after like two one or two episodes it became our favorite show like we were, so awesome. we were so in. We were so in. Very awesome. That's nice. It's uh, good to hear. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it was awesome. So yeah, I think you do kind of uh, help accomplish that in the show. There's so many people that craft this awesome show, um, but it definitely leaves people thinking about it long after you watch it for sure. Yeah. Mm. Which, is, which is a cool. That's thing. that's. I really I'm really happy to hear that because like as I mentioned, that's something that I'd really like to be part of, and I always wanted to be part of something that. Mm-hmm. In some way, we leave a feeling, whatever, if it's anger, love, or hate, or whatever, but if it just makes you feel something and for a bit of a longer time than just you engaging with the show, then I think we might be on the right track. Oh, yeah. So. I think Last King makes you feel all those things angry, and you're always angry with the antagonists. You're always happy when there's a great, you know, come uh, like a camaraderie moment between, you know, his Uhtred's bro group is uh, what we call it. All we love that. And then the, the big action, you're jumping over a shield wall, you're, you know, sacking Dunholm, uh, you know, those yeah. great moments. Absolutely. Yeah, those are so fun. Those are so fun. Speaking of like emotional moments like that, one that we kind of wanted to ask you about that we see after the Battle of Dunholm, like Steve just brought up, is when Ragnar is, um, has just beat your father, Citrix's father, in a fight, Kjartan in the fight, and he kills him, where you at first, you look excited about it, you know, you look like you're pumped, and then when he kind of goes brutal, you start wincing. You kind of look a little, you start wincing. So could you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about like, maybe what was going through Citrix's head a little bit? I really um, enjoyed I guess getting to that scene because the director, John East, who directed that, that, that particular block, he came up to me, I think a week before that shot even took place. And we started talking about the psychology of, of a father son relationship, you know, and the type of father son relationship it is. And then how do you feel about it? And 
we only I think we only had one take for that. So I, I, I didn't feel like we managed to, I, I wanted to go, I guess, explore more, but I'm happy that it, I guess, landed that way. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess it's a sort of understanding that you despise someone, right? Mm-hmm. You really hate someone for being so terrible towards you or, or, mm-hmm. or not being there for you. And you have this resentment. And even before the fight, you know, you're angry because he didn't even look at you. He didn't even know that you're there. Right. But as the killing goes on, I, I, I don't know if that's what went through my head. I don't remember. But right. if I look at it, I would say that at some point you do realize that. So we'll, well, now what? Now it's dead. That's the only blood you ever had. I guess that's something that might have affected him or me in that moment is that the fact that that's the last blood relative he ever had. And I think blood plays a big part in uh, in humans. And then maybe in that time, it's even different. So it's, it's, it's even more heightened sure. because of, you know, your, who are you? Who do you represent? Your, your value in, in society comes from your, from your, from where you come from, from your blood. Absolutely. And when you cut that cord, what are you left with? You know? Mm. And even though, so I, I guess, I guess maybe, I don't know if it's exactly that, but I think I felt sadness a little bit because you're like, yes, yes, kill, kill, be dead, be dead. And then, you know, he's just gone and that's it. Now I'm definitely alone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think. He mentioned, Citric mentioned his mother was a, a slave woman, which is she still alive? Is she dead? I guess then from. Yeah. Never, he never met her. Oh, he never. Met, she, she. Well, I, the way I see it, I can't remember what's it like in the books. It's been told that she's, she died while giving birth to Citric. But I also, you know, if you look at the, if you look at Kjartan, there will, you could question like, did she die at giving birth or did you just kill mm-hmm. her? And you know, it's, it's not written. It's not said, but I like, I like to think about it. I like to think about it because I don't know, you know, and that gives, yeah. that gives some extra thoughts for me when I'm, I guess, working on it to just be like, oh, I know this, but how much of it do I really know? Why isn't she here? You know? Interesting. So she's, she basically, she supposedly she dead. She died while giving birth to Citric and okay. that's when you see you saw her. Interesting. Yeah. Are there any other things that you think about as far as Citric's background? Because we, we kind of meet him, you know, in season two and he's just kind of with, um, I forget that big Dane's name. But you go and kind of in. Kieran's men. Yeah. Um, and, and all we see, I think there's a quick shot of like you kind of going up for food and I think he shoves you back. Yeah. It, it doesn't focus on it. Um, but you guys pick up on things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, but I guess maybe that was supposed to be symbolism for Citric not being treated well, probably most of his life. Yeah. For being a bastard. How do you see that? How do you see Citric's past? I think that in certain cultures, and historically, even more like less so now, but back then, the being a bastard is like a, it seems like a very low life form for for other people. Right. So I, I think that are they're treated differently. Even let's think about Osfrith, who's sure. is also a bastard, right? And he never gets any recognition. Yeah, yeah. Alfred. So yeah. So I like to think about that. I like to, I like to think, I mean, I like to, but I, I wonder if 
if he's been treated like that all of his life. Everywhere he goes, he's just something, someone carrying out somebody's mission and he might die or might not. Nobody gives a shit too much. So there's this quality of not being important all of your life. So I like to think about that. And, and I think becoming part of Team Utrid sort of helps him form a new purpose and identity, perhaps. Interesting. If I can, if I can think in those terms, if he can think in those terms. I don't think he, that he does perhaps think in those terms, but right. there's definitely a feeling there, you know? True. I think definitely must feel that, that now he's a bit different. There's mm. a bit more value. But even in his day-to-day operations with Utrecht, I think there's still that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a servant. And I wonder if he'll ever lose that or grow out of that. Interesting. Yeah. Because I like to think that because of not having a name coming from a terrible background, I like to think that one of his purposes might be, you know, to one day create his name and be someone, you know, now that the court is cut, there's no one behind him. That is very interesting. It's yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah, these now, are what's up? Thank you, man. Very, very nice questions. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see oh. Citrix's role yeah. in Team Utrecht? Where do you see? Because we see Finnan is more of the overt sort of comrade where he's, you know, he's the one giving the hug to Utrecht. He's always the one giving the emotional talk or whatever it is. But Citrix's always there as well. And he's always there when Utrecht needs him, you know, uh, Kobe and I love the the scene where he sends Citric on a you know a fake feud mission to go spy on Canute uh, and Bloodhair in season three. What do you see like Citric? What's his role in in the group? I think like initially because of his nature of him being a Dane, there was you know definitely useful to to use him as a spy to send him out on missions and to gain gain information. But as time goes by. Team Utrecht becomes more popular, I guess, and Danes find out about what's inside the team, so it's it's less likely to be that. But I like the the dynamic of the group that we have. We're all different characters, but we're all this one person in it, essentially. Because Utrecht is split; he's, he's neither Dane nor Saxon, right? And here we have a bunch. A bunch who's one is a Saxon, someone's an Irish crazy man, and there's one who's who's a Dane. Yeah. So I feel like perhaps Citrix's role is to somehow also once every now and again remind the nature of our type of battling. We're like it's glory to death. We're going yeah. out like let's just ram the gate. Let's go in and go for it. Cause it's the on the on the other side, we'll 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 celebrate we'll die and we'll celebrate together that we tried killing this. There's, there's a lot of lot, lot, lot less, there's less of a safety trigger in Citric, I think when it comes to decision-making together as, as a, as a, as a unit. So I like that. And I also think that there's, when it comes to the relationship between Utrecht and him, it's just like, we both know, you know, cause we're both, Danes, let's say we both we both carry the 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 Thor's hammer, so we're more 
into that faith system, let's say. Right. So it's like a little thing that you might have together because mm-hmm. we both, you know, believe similar things, I, I, I think. So I think it's that. And it's also, I think Utrecht as for Citric has become this father figure. Yeah. You know, he's a friend sure. because, because he, Citric is allowed to have like, doubt his doubt his his uh beliefs sometimes because sometimes Utrecht is rash like with his decisions so you you can still like come on but there's this 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 sense of loyalty that i think might even with the death of his father has passed on like me even with the first conversation that he has with with Utrecht Mm-hmm. Like you're a true Lord and I want to follow someone who's a true, like basically what he's saying sounds to me is like, Hey, sucks. My life sucks there. Could you teach me and guide me? Yeah. So I feel like that's an indirect way of taking him on as a, as a, as a role model. Yeah. yeah. Very you know? cool. Yeah. He even asked for Utrecht's approval of his, his wife in season three. There you go. Yep. And, there you go. Uh, I think he even wanted to name his child after Utrecht. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And that's that. Now that you say it, I didn't think about it that way. But now that you say it, it's like technically that's indirect ways of saying, "Hey, do you want to be my dad?" <laughs> yeah. Asking you know? permission, wanted to name it after him. Yeah, yeah. it's very that's cool. Also, very funny. <laughs> He's going to make notes out of this. Use this. In his- <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted it. We we you just mentioned. Um, the sequence where you kind of get in a fake fight, which we don't know is fake uh, in season three with Uhtred mm-hmm. um, and talk about being mad uh, as a viewer. It's like so frustrating to see this supposedly the bro group sort of breaking up a little bit. And, oh yeah. And we're all like, the Beatles like we're going relax, but I got to ask, what do you, what do you imagine the conversation with Uhtred was like planning that out? Was it like, Oh my God, we're going to get Finn and Osford so good. <laughs> each other it must i think i'm i think i wonder i wonder i actually do think about that what that conversation could have been but i wonder how subtle must have it been for it to land that you know i mean to to for it to land in general because let's assuming that they're not you know actors citric is not an but spying in a way is a role like that so i wonder if utrid maybe tried to piss him off initially maybe maybe he gave him a mission but also said him some terrible things like your wife this like you're gonna do that so i wonder because i think that utrid is very you know he's very intelligent in in delivering his his idea so i wonder if he could have not like fed that anger a little bit and obviously citric was sitting and drinking so that that might have helped. Maybe, perhaps, perhaps he even said something that, oh, we're going to do it this way. And then when Utrecht arrived, he started saying completely different things, which then... What's a genuine reaction? It's interesting. Yeah. So it's hard to, it's hard to say, because at that point, <laughs> that point of shooting, I wasn't sure as well. It was like, really? Am I going to get killed off? What's, <laughs> what's, uh, what's going on here? He's like, no, 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 this is spying. But because we didn't yet see the, the further scripts, really, I wasn't sure. I mean, the the writers knew it, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. So, well, 
because he believed <laughs> in the curse from Skade too. He genuinely, definitely, he, definitely he attributed that's, all their hard times to that. That's another thing I think of Citric is that there's this this ongoing superstition, like belief in in his in in the, the deities that he believes in. Is like it's a pretty strong faith. So um, so yeah, the, the Skade thing was definitely felt like a curse for it to him. From from the beginning, I think from the beginning when he came in, it's like, no, 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 no. And I I like I like the dynamic of the group that we bring different superstitions to it. Totally, you know, because every and Utrid is in between two worlds. He believes in his gods, but he still like diplomatically has to assume that there's that god too. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he's been baptized twice, so we <laughs> have it. Kind of there we have it. It's interesting. So it's interesting what you mentioned about the writers. You didn't know necessarily at the time that you were kind of fake fighting. Is that? Did I turn no, I knew. Part? I I had a like. I didn't know how was it going to play out. Oh, okay. So I I. I think they, they already had the drafts for it, but I just didn't know, and I didn't know who to ask, and I was afraid to ask, perhaps. Okay. So in my head. I wasn't really sure. I wonder so. too if they preferred it that way because similar in the way that Utrid maybe taunt like kind of got at your motion, Citrix motions in the scene to sell it to Dagfin in the Table of Danes so that they would believe him when he escaped and joined. You know, makes you wonder yeah. if they kind of were thinking that too um, to sell it to us as the audience. Yeah, that this yeah. is real. Yeah, interesting. It's, yeah, there's. I think there's. You're right. There's a lot, a lot of layers and. And believing and who believes and how do we perceive the belief believing so i wouldn't know maybe maybe they did maybe i don't know but that's it's it's interesting though that you didn't you weren't sure about i wasn't yeah that's that's pretty cool i wasn't we were we were just so frustrated with utre at the time though um and and then later on too when he was he started trusting skade we we were like what the heck is utra doing this season man he made us doubt him so much (laughs) that season but then then he'd come around i mean when when you come back to him and he just you know he raises his arms up and uh like for you to like kill him or something and everyone else in the group it was it was it won our our best bro moment for that episode there uh when when citric comes back uh and it was it was just great that was different because it's, it's it's fun in a different way because now like I know Citric knows what's up. So then to like now just have like a duo moment with with Utrecht because at this point we both know already that this is just a game. Yeah. But to have that sense like to try and raise the stakes that like, well, what? It was just really fun. The bro moments. The bro moments really are really oh. precious. And I really oh. appreciate all of them because we are bros. We are yes yeah. hopefully still good actors but in real life we're just bros well that's what steve and i we really connected with the show for so many reasons but for that level steve and i being bros and we always like to think you know if we were in that world we'd like to think we're in the in the bro group we don't know for sure but we'd like to think we're in the Utrecht gang <laughs> mm. well, that's you know? nice that's nice too i, I really appreciate if, if it translates to the screen and people can really feel yeah. totally you know, the 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 pain between and and i think i personally uh, i'm a bad fan of season four and i uh, appreciate the vulnerability in the in team utrid that 
Um, well, it's hard. I feel like it's hard being Utrid and it's hard being everyone in there. And it's, you have so much loss and so much death going on and everything's just slipping. So to be able to, because I think usually shows like similar to that are, you know, the guy's superhero and he wins everything. Whereas here you come in, he loses something and he's just losing his shit. He can't, yeah. he doesn't know if he can go on. And I really, really appreciate that, that all the actors invite that vulnerability and deconstructing the male image of like, I'm always in control. Yeah. Nope, never. No, we actually like that. We like the, yeah. the healthy male bonds that they all form. Or totally. they, they, they definitely are tough sons of bitches, for sure. Uh, you know, they're going to the battle, they're going to shield walls. But then... When something actually happens, they're not just mm, tough. You know, Clint Eastwood yeah. through it. Uh, you know, mm. they they express it. They they work through it together. They they might have to really try hard to get over that lump. Uh, yeah. People are yeah. resistant to opening up, but and that's it's. I think that's what makes it a really good emotional side. That's what when I try to describe it to other people, I'm like, just don't just focus on the swords and stuff. That stuff's awesome for sure. You have to right. you have to appreciate that as well. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, I appreciate that it that it, that it lands like that. Because yeah. I I think an interesting point that you just touched on is that powering through that lump, as you said, only works when they're when they're exposed to other characters, like mm. within the group. Within the group, the bond has been raised. Like they're so bonded by now that that you can let go at times. To be, you know, vulnerable to not show like my sword is like I can do anything. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked, we had Sarah O'Gorman on the podcast too. And that's something we talked a lot about um, was kind of that vulnerability side. And especially the men being vulnerable is, uh, it's really super, super. Yeah. Sarah, unique. Sarah and, I really appreciate working with her. She, she really did it. She really had a nice touch to the show. Eh? I appreciate oh it very much. There were definitely are like two favorite episodes from season four, I think, were three and four. Yeah. You got the emotion, the crazy emotions in episode three, along with the beginning, has some pretty awesome ac action sequences. And then obviously, maybe like one of the coolest battles on The Last Kingdom. There's been so many. But this seemed yeah. like, this kind of seemed like it stepped up a level, at least yeah. production wise, right? Yeah. Um, and she came in, she came in on the hardest week. So, like, like she's, she started off with the battle in Dun wait in in Bebenburg. yeah. So that the one at the end of the season episode two. So she's first days we were battling, and she was just in there, and I and the, the way that it turned into this vulnerable emotional story, and then again landed with that massive battle. Really enjoyed her input, and probably not an easy thing to execute like that either. I mean, yeah. that's a tall order. Uh, and she did it well. She did it really, yeah, really well. Really well. So what kind of experience? Obviously, on the show, you look like a very proficient fighter. Mm -hmm. Did you have any fighting experience before coming onto the show? Not sword fighting. No. I haven't had much sword fighting. I did. Um, I'm an enthusiast in, in, in boxing and, and kickboxing mm -hmm. and Muay Thai every now and again. But um, so that's the only... That's the only type of fighting I had before, like, you know, sparring here and there. But when we started doing this, the, the, the sword fighting became more of a thing. And sometimes in between season, Mark, Mark's very um, 
resourceful when setting up stuff. So we, he sometimes invite like sword fighting teachers somewhere in the, somewhere in London, we meet at the park and just do some drills and, or even on the show, sometimes we would take the, there's always swords at home there. Everybody has like swords <laughs> in case you need to, in case you want to work out on something, work on something or Mark would be like, guys, what about this choreography? Well, how about we go, we go to the gym and practice some, some movements and maybe add something. So we research a little bit, try to make, it's nice trying to shape because the fighting itself, and that's what Sarah, I think said, fighting itself, it's not interesting if it doesn't tell a story on a screen. Mm -hmm. So what we appreciate is trying to develop specific ways of fighting for every character. Because yes, they have specific weaponry, but it's interesting to like, can you add a little bit of a flying knee there? What if you do do a little throw there? What's what if you stab that guy ten times more? So just little things that would tell the story of the character while also showing him fighting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. From uh, from my point of view, and I guess both of ours too. Colby brought this up uh, when we talked about it. Was Citric felt really, I guess, like explosive in comparison to everyone else this season as far as his fighting style. Uh, you know, especially like when he got cut down from the tree and just oh. just really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that how you see you distinguish him from the other ones? Or Well, I like to think that inside him, because of his um, Scandinavian mythology beliefs mm-hmm. and belief in those deities, I, I like to think that it adds like this trigger inside him that once you like click it, it's just rage full on. And it's less... <sighs> protective because you're like every time you go to battle like i'm gonna die i'm i'm here to die it's approaching every fight with with that dane mentality yes the dane mentality and therefore it it becomes i like i'm very happy that it 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 came across as that on screen there's just this layer of rage because you're he's sort of always just waiting for the fight Mm -hmm. in a way because because that's his like destiny, right? Because he doesn't doesn't get to see his family a lot, so there's about a bit of rage for that as well. But it's like, come on, when are we when are we fighting? When when are we, can can we just get into battle? Can we just get in? So whenever you present him the opportunity, there's nothing else, and there's joy. That's what we try to explore, mm. Mark as well. Is when you see those like little whatever. So uh, sword taps or whatever that we do together is yeah. because we yeah, we're made for this. We're made to fight, and every opportunity that you get to fight is is a celebration. So even though it's death, it's also a celebration of 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 our type of life, their type of life. Let's say That's so cool. I also wouldn't mess with Citric with just a rope because you've had a couple of cool <laughs> scenes where you, well, the first time, it's not the first time we meet you, but your first really big scene is when mm. you have to convince Uhtred to let you join and you threaten mm-hmm. Hallig with, um, I think you said you had to take, go take a shit or something and <laughs> yeah. go out in the woods, right? Yeah. And then, and then you like wrap him up and you, and you I don't know if that was it's him bad. you tripped up. And then again <laughs> in season four, you get cut down and all you have is the rope and you just do like a quick dodge. You like clothesline the guy, um, which we we had our little Arsling Award show that we for fun that, that Steve and I did, and we nominated that 
I think it was nominated as one of the cool moments, cool yeah, battle, battle moments. Yeah. Was that little sleek like dodge uh, with mm. the rope? Oh, but, nice. I never thought about it that way, that it's a theme. Yeah. That's that was like this the the first scene, the one with Halleck was one of the most educational battle scenes for me, fight okay. scenes, because we were shooting with uh Sean Savage, who's a great camera operator. He's the one from Game of Thrones, I think. Yes. So he's yeah. he's he does all that and he um we'd sort of practice it, but he'd be really close. And he said, Don't worry about it, just go for it. And he'd be so you're slashing your sword. And he's just there and he just like ducks and you're like, and you're watching him do that. And then in, in the middle of the shot, like, what the fuck? <laughs> so it was very educational in terms of how do you, how much speed do you have, have to add to, to the fight for it to look real? And um, yeah, those rope, like we have a great stun team. So those, I really appreciate that they, uh, they added the, the rope thing in season four. I didn't even consider that those two are connected, but now that you say it. Oh, <laughs> it just wouldn't mess with him with rope though. I mean, it's just, I wouldn't mess with him if he's got a rope. He's like walking around town with a rope. I'm not charging him. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we can introduce, I don't know if they had any lassoing going on back then. But it'd be interesting too. <laughs> season five. Season five. That's way. And I think well, that's way better than the Pirates of the Caribbean rope scene. And do you remember? What I, like? In I the first one, where that. like they like Jack Sparrow and Orlando Bloom have the rope, and they like yeah. run, but the, like the oh. British guys are just running in between them. Yes. <laughs> just like. <laughs> yeah, Orlando Bloom shows up as uh, one of the musketeers at the end. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's one of your favorite battles? What what are your favorite battles or fight scenes that you've done from the show? I really do. Um, maybe because it was the first real one, I th and it was a big scene to, you know, to come into this TV show was the the presentation of like the, the 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 can I be your can you be my lord scene mm -hmm. the one with Halleck when I uh, when they cut them off because it was it was the first like solo fight, so I had to work on it quite specifically and it just it was just including tricks that i've never thought before that i would be doing you know the yeah. cutting off the guy with the pulling his legs with the rope taking the sword out of him it felt very uh functional you know yeah so i feel using using your environment using other people's weapons i feel like that raises the stakes because you're more bound to more likely to die if anything goes wrong yeah. So I like those high stake moments. There was there are a couple of I don't know if they made the cut this season. Perhaps I don't I don't remember. But there were a couple of in episode four, the big battle scene there. There are a couple of like jujitsu throws and, and yes. stuff. Yes, you do. You take a guy down. I think it's in that battle, and then yeah. you stab him. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. It's cool you mentioned that. It was real quick, but you do like if you watch, you do do a takedown. Yeah, so it's really it's it's just moments like that and yeah i think i think the most difficult to shoot definitely might have been this season four mm -hmm. battle in the in in the apps in the absolute scorching sun because it was Look, yeah. just physically physically very demanding and and i, I wonder what's it going to be like this year you know? <laughs> yeah yeah With all the new regulations <laughs> Oh, that's true. That's very true. Uh, one thing Six I want to ask. Six feet apart when you're fighting, though, you know? Yes. 
I wonder only now. bows and arrows and axe throws in season Which five. Would be, be interesting too. Like I'd like to learn a bow and arrow thing. Spears. Uh, spears. Spears too. Mark would love spears. Mark is like, when when are we bringing spears? He's always about spears. He's he's, he's very he researches his stuff a lot. Really, there were so spears his, in uh, Dunholm. There were spears in Dunholm. I remember the the battle season spears two. Throughout. Yeah, yeah. There's so he, a lot of spears throughout. It's like yeah. He's the one. Like, if there's a spear. Mark's gonna go for it because he's like, <laughs> we need to use these because it's historically accurate, mm. and he 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 loves his research. He's a very very thought out researcher mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Interesting. So, gotta ask you about what w- was it like to hang upside down, and how long were you actually hanging upside down? If you could just talk about that whole. Um, it wasn't. I think it was like a minute or a couple minutes. Is is the thing that the only thing is that you have to practice before it. Oh, really? Like every day, just put your like, just stand upside down. Put your like, stand on your head for a little bit, just to get acquainted with it. Because we we shot that scene for two days. So the wow. first day was pretty difficult, because <laughs> you're not. But the second day, you're sort of used to it by then. So it's not, we all, we follow, I think, yeah, we definitely followed health and uh, all the regulations, but it was, it's quite demanding because you can't swallow when you're upside down. So if you want to swallow, it's sort of like, it kind of hurts. So there were a couple of things that you had to adapt to, but in general, it was fun. It was just, while hanging there, you, it's just moments like that when you really appreciate your work or your job. It's like, what the fuck are we doing, man? We're hanging upside down. <laughs> we're hanging upside down a tree. There's like, what, five, six of us? We're hanging upside down the tree. And so that's, yeah. It's just, you really appreciate that you're, the life that you've been given, but also it's like, what the fuck? That'd be, good, uh, <laughs> that'd be a good prank to pull on maybe like a new cast member. Is uh, We're going to do another hanging scene. Yeah, but just just never shoot any of it though. Just you know, <laughs> cut the scene. Yeah, you better practice every day. Practice but, every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be because we like we like pranking each other. That would be that. That would have to involve a lot of departments, and I don't think other departments have as much time. But I definitely <laughs> like to to involve myself in a prank like that. Yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of that scene, though, I felt like they were really. I'm glad you didn't get killed off this season, but I really felt like they were foreshadowing Citric was going to get it this season because in the battle Teton Hall, Citric falls, uh, Finn and yell Citric, and I was scared that whole battle. I was like, where's Citric? Every time I was looking, make <laughs> sure he okay? was, is, is he okay? <laughs> and then the uh, the quarantine episode, he you know he was the only one that like didn't care at all about the sickness, you know. Um, and then the, the hanging upside down. I was like, I feel like they are just foreshadowing. He's going to get it this last episode. I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah, me too. But was, was that something like an idea they were playing with? or? Um, I haven't heard about that idea, but maybe, <laughs> maybe they were. But I'm uh, not, it kind of makes, it's interesting that you say that. Because I think it's difficult to, when you watch a show and you relate to your characters, you think, essentially that they're never going to die probably unless there's stuff like that which then makes them more real that there's Mm -hmm. always an opportunity that they might get killed because as let's say heroes usually guys just come in slay everyone and done that's it so we like to ask for that as well with stunt guys like make it more difficult make it difficult for us because sure 
because that way only that way i think you can tell a story that yeah these are very strong guys very powerful but they're still just guys they could still just die so i i um like all those trips and falls and maybe personally as as actors we push that push the the possibility of death a bit further just to, to be surprised just to surprise yourself in case you know maybe you will die maybe there will be a maybe that is a foreshadowing foreshadowing for some sort of a death or maybe it's not you know interesting well, i think it's it's there's something in that the stakes having the stakes that we're knowing that they can die i think it's very important and you guys have been around a long time like mm -hmm. when halleck died it was a real emotional scene on the front of the the slave boat but he we only introduced we were only introduced him at the end of season one and then you know, partway through season two, he was already killed off. But you've been since you've been around since season two. So, like, if one of you guys gets it, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. <laughs> I think we're all afraid that one of the core Uhtred bro. I mean, we did lose Biaka early, and I consider him in that group. But, Definitely. um, but yeah, I think like going later in the season, I'm expecting like one of like Finnan, Citric, or Osforth like get it just for like the emotional value. And I'm glad nobody did, so we can yeah. get them all back for season five. Um, yeah, but you when you're on a show like this, I th and uh, not like this, but in in general, a period drama or a action packed show, I think it's a healthy approach to, as an actor to come in like, well, I might die this season. Every uh -huh. season you approach as if it's your last. I mean, I think we, I don't know if it shows, but I think we now have a certain work ethic that every day we approach as if it's the last day on set ever. Ah. And I believe that we share that mentality, maybe even if it's unwritten, unspoken, but I think that's how much we love our job. So every day you, fuck it, I might die as a character or as a human. This is the day that this is, this is the only, the one and only day I'm on set. So, um, yeah, we try to approach it that way. Yeah. Good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Now we had Molly Rowe on the podcast as well, and she does a really fantastic job with all the costumes and everything. Um, and she talked about some uh, actors really like to put input into their costumes. Did you have any input into your own costume? Um, this, this, so since Molly came, because she joined us, I think season, season three, three, I think. Yeah. So my initial costume, like the base of my costume was created before. So mm -hmm. the only adjustment that I made is my my knife my dagger was initially in front okay and i try i asked them like oh could you put it in my back could you put it in the back so that i could uh be like a like now it's like functionally a bit more difficult and i had to practice a lot if, if i ever put it in like i practiced the entire day so that it would seem like seamless just put it in there but but that's the only thing i moved I think I, I I didn't do many adjustments to it because I okay. just like what Molly does is 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 great. I I get to choose like the rings that I have. Okay. Like, we work on that a little bit. We you know adjust. You know the, the where where we put this or where we put that. But in terms of what she brings in, it's just all it just lands. Are any of those accessories that you choose? Or are there any specific meanings to them or or anything like that? Well, the only, yes, the only, the, the, the reason for me putting the knife in the back was that oh. I could keep it a secret in case yeah. it's the last draw. 
and it also looks cool. Oh, it looks cool. That's that's the only reason you need. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I like the. He has a wedding ring. Didn't I? Didn't we okay. shot a, like a little scene to it when we were giving away the giving away our rings in episode three or four when Finnan says like, go back to the town, give all, sell sell all this. We need because we're like we don't have money anymore. So it was like I, I tried to play around with the preciousness of because he's married and he loves his wife. He never gets to see her, but so there's that one thing that he taps into and his obviously his um thor's hammer you know because he's had it all all of his life and i guess that's now that you say now that we talk about it i guess that's the that's the only relic from yeah. past life interesting and he holds on to it a lot and yeah. times of trouble and stuff and it's yeah cool. sort of like getting the energy of death and uh rage for battles because i think it's, it's also used for different reasons because when finnan prays it feels like protect us protect us where this is let's go let's, let's go. go this is it baby it's thor's hammer <laughs> yeah. man yeah so one other thing about your costume i want to ask you about is the is your tattoo mm-hmm. is it a serpent or what is it exactly it is a serpent it is, it a, is a serpent, serpent. okay it is a serpent. okay cool never really talked or thought about its meaning per, per se mm-hmm I mean, it's common, you know, Dane symbology with the with the serpent, and you know. Yeah, but also now that I if we'd go down like and de- decipher it, I never thought about it before like this. But now, like, huh? There's always snakes in the grass. There's always snakes in the grass, and look for mm-hmm. them. So I wonder because there's a lot of serpenty beings in the show, you know, and even his father could be like, "Hey, he's your blood," but also bad person, snake. So I don't oh, know. interesting reminders of something. That's very cool. Are there any things that you need to do to kind of get into the headspace of Citric, like before you shoot a scene or getting ready for the day? You know, to keep because because our job requires a lot of focus in in a, in a very short period of time. So you're not focused, not like you don't have it, you don't need it, you don't need it, and then you just like 10 to 20 seconds for the take. So I, what, what helps me, I guess, is just breathing a little bit. I try to, because okay. I, I get my, my mind is all over the place. So um, I don't know. You just look at the other person. You ask yourself, like, what does this person mean to me? You know, who's Utrid to me or who's that person? So it's never, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that I'm yet on it per se, but it, what helps me in, in acting is, it's just focusing on others okay, rather than on yourself. And the, the stories of others remind my stories and, you know, cause it's all of, all of your life is relationships with mm-hmm. other people and all those relationships are in your head. So uh, what are you going to think about yourself or are you going to think about others and what do they mean to you and, or mm-hmm. if they make you feel angry or whatever. So that's, that is something. And I, I guess I like thinking about the, I think about the family a lot. Think okay. about his, like his son and his wife that he doesn't, because I think that's one of his purposes, purposes, purposes mm-hmm. in life to, to just build that, to purpose I, that was, that's a good one, purpose <laughs> I, <laughs> to, to develop a family that he's never had. So I like to keep that in the back of the, the, the back of my head. 
that even when you know go into battle you're like oh i'm gonna die but also you try to think of of your family because they're really important to him even though he doesn't get to see him a lot but it's the the it's something he's never had and he mindfully works on hopefully creating it mm-hmm. so the core value of family one thing that, that steve and i really love about the last kingdom is how uh, we, we talk about this with some other guests as well um there seems to be all this kind of mythical things going on yet there's always a rational explanation for them you know for the time period and it seems like that the show always does try to stick to like make it feel real but i like to ask especially a character like yours who really believes in the mythical side of of it like the curse and and things like that like how do you you know as the actor kind of interpret the show in that regard well i think that we as characters some less than others we truly have the faith in what we stand for, the, the, the deities that we believe in, we, we truly do. And I think that the logical explanations that unravel themselves later in the show, mm-hmm. they do not take away from the intrinsic faith that they have. So even yeah. though there's a logic explanation to something, in Citrix's mind, Skade was a curse. Absolutely. And when she was killed, all of a sudden things are getting better. How's that not a curse? I think signs and experiences of signs per se are very personal and they're not empirical and you can't explain them to others. Mm. Even in, even if you talk in real life, when you talk to scientific minded people, and I don't think that you have to be one or the other, you could be both. But I think when you talk to them, everything needs to be proven, proven. I need okay. to have a, like some variables, X plus Y equals this, and you solve it. When it comes to, let's say, divine experiences, it's very personal. You can't, if I think something is a mm-hmm. sign and I have a reoccurring theme of that sign, if I tell it to someone else, they're not going to, they don't, they don't know it. It's to them is just so you know coincidental in a way. So I like to think that whatever happens, even though there's logical explanations in the heads of the characters, it's still fate. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I just like to get different you know takes on on that because it's such a you know whoever watched the show could could kind of interpret that aspect of the show different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's also the fact that yes, there's also people. Another point interesting to, I think, I think it was in season two, the guy that was uh, buried, I can't remember the name of the character. Uh, Bjorn. Bjorn kept on coming from the ground, right? So it also shows a side that humans manipulate. So there's someone who's going to try and manipulate and pretend to be that when then does it still take away from the possibility of this or that being real? If there's someone trying to manipulate, does it then completely negate the existence? So I, I like what I like about the show that it's always in the air that is it this or is it real? Is it logical or is it just something spiritual? Interesting. Cause it's never really, there's, there's always, there's always an explanation, but we're still throwing stones and trying to read runes. 
you know? Yeah. So it's those, I feel like those exist, coexist at the same time. And I like, I like that about this show. I love that. And I, and I love that the show doesn't just come out and say, this is a mythical show or this is a historically accurate show. It leaves it up for interpretation, yeah. which is a super cool thing. I love how they balance yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate what it, a good TV or drama or whatever drama. I appreciate when, when it keeps the audience working. Yeah. Cause you just have everything solved. This is that, this is that it's good. It's fun. But as, as a part of, as a member of an audience, I like to feel that I figured something out, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. totally. Absolutely. So if it's something unspoken, untold in the show and you think one or the other, it's up to you. Yeah. And yeah. Steve and I would have countless discussions about it, you know, after we'd watch episodes in grad school and stuff. And and do, you, do you fight? Do you fight? Like, do you have like one? We make one the square. We <laughs> <laughs> do. We make the square. We make the square. We make yeah. a square. <laughs> but then it just turns into like a tickle fight or something. We just we don't kill each other. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. What's but what do you like? What's your biggest takeaway from this show? Like, what do you? What's what I, makes you like it? Oh, so many things. I was actually just thinking. This is kind of a new thought, and we've. I mean, we've had so many podcasts to talk about the show. I was just thinking about this and like our kind of the climate that we live in today, the like political and social climate of like polarization. Yeah. This show is like a great um, reminder that like, look at Uhtred's group. You have three or four individuals who have totally different beliefs, totally mm -hmm. different backgrounds and they love each other and they're, they find so much to agree on at the same time. I'm just kind of thinking about that right now. That's kind of a pretty cool thing that we don't really see a lot nowadays, yeah. at least in the media. I, that's what, and another thing too with that is the, you know, how they portray both sides. There's the, there's the Dane side, which when at first you're like, oh, that's the cool, that's the Viking, that's the rock stars, man. Uh, but then they're also raiding towns and killing people and raping and, you know, it's like, <laughs> they're not that great. Um, but then, you know, see, you see the Saxons and they sometimes have that hypocrisy. They're willing to torture and maim, but, we, we've got the superior morals so and that, i don't mean that in a any religious or anti-religious way i just mean i think it's a good way to show our world and then there's there's yeah. nuance to things mm -hmm. well, i'm glad that you picked up on that because that's that's one of the discussions that we have on set every now and again is that is that there's this polarization and like there's this evident duality between you know the character is neither this or nor that yeah. But here we are, like the father Bioka and through a marriage was, was right. like, this is a hardcore Christian. She's an absolute pagan. They're, they're fine. They're fine. They can be together. They they're love fine. each other. Mm -hmm. They still so, argue about, you know, don't give your blood. That's, you know, heathen, but yeah, yeah. they still love each other at the end of the yeah. day. It's, 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 the, cool. uh, it's the personality traits is what makes that relationship. It's not the, uh, the teams that they identify with. But you know, yeah. the other thing about the show is there's so many characters too that you just fall in love with. And I just feel like every actor on the show is able to step it up, is able to kind of, you know, do what even they if, do. Yeah, even if they have just a brief moment, there's, there's some episodes where it feels like we might just meet someone that episode and they're and done. They yeah. And then we're, we're like, that, that was the best 
fucking version that they could have done with that person. Like, the, remember the priest at the beginning of uh, was it season two when uh, the Danes Efferwich was it Efferwich Colby? Yeah, yeah, the the one that started the rebellion. Yeah, he started the rebellion. Yeah, he, he I think of him. I think it. a Chea Wolf when they're doing yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, wedding yeah, the thing. Casting. That guy too. The like, casting in this, the casting directors are unbelievable. Everyone that and everyone that comes in, there's there's just some sort of like. Chicago Bullsian mentality to to playing every, like as I mentioned playing every game like it's the mm-hmm. we gotta prove something we gotta I just finished something. watching the last dance so it's wow. ringing true <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I I totally agree with you that every every actor that comes in brings in so much like just tiny detail and you're like that's mm-hmm. the most important person that's the most important character for right now right now yeah very cool. And I really appreciate to be part of the part of a, a team of actors that are so devoted. Every yeah. single one. And it's no one's ever no one's slacking off ever. Everyone's always there. If you're behind the camera, people stay. It's it's a huge, huge team effort, and it really feels like a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we try, yeah. That's why we've been trying to get people on the podcast from behind the camera too. Cause they deserve a ton of credit as well. Oh, yeah. And the scope of their job is unbelievable. You know, the amount of things to talk about with them too. But um, just yeah, because love- you made the analogy real quick, uh, who's, who's the Dennis Rodman of the cast? <laughs> One of the rebound plays. Let's see. My colorful. I'd say, I'd say Osforth. Okay. <laughs> say Osforth is actually Dennis Rodman. Less flam, less, less flamboyant, flamboyant, but but, the but mystery. It, takes, it takes a lot of rebounds, takes all the rebounds, <laughs> always comes in like um, use him as a bait. We use him as a bait. He's always like, doesn't, doesn't it. seem like he's scoring points, but he's I love there. the sequence when he walks up to those, uh, when you guys are going to get skayed. Yeah. Uh, and you guys sneak, yeah, you do the little clink with the axe and sword with Finn in and, and he just walks up and taunts him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's that entire scene. He's sort of like create created it like he added lines to it then we played around offset we're like me let's just make a bit of a comedy out of this let's yeah. it has to be a bit like stupid yeah. so that that entire sequence of him coming in was we all felt like really part of it because we sort of yeah, managed to give a bit of birth to it as well together yeah. so yeah dennis rodman though huh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, so- though. Who's your favorite so, person to do scenes with, or who do you wish that you don't have a lot of scenes with? You could have more with. I really appreciate any scene that you can do one on one. It's nice to like mm. when we're together as 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 a team. It's fun, but it's also nice to sometimes step out and do it with 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 the other characters. I really wish that I had had more time with Father Bianca. I feel like there was moments that, even though he's now that he's after he married Thora, it was different that he had a bit of a more liking to us pagans mm. in the sense of the show. But I really appreciated that we managed to have like some sort of a closeness, even though I even noticed, I don't know if like it's ever audible, but if like, if, if he's ever there, I would still say father. Citric would still say father, ah. even though, even though he's like, I don't even believe in that religion, let's say Citric, but he was still referring to as. Cause the respect, respect you have for him. Yeah, because wow. he's this bald, 
priest supposedly was just a priest, but he comes in and, and slays. He slays. Slays and loses. He punches Teedman, and you're like. <laughs> and we're like, oh, this guy. And you have, it's like seeing like a, like someone who's like your uncle, you shouldn't be cool. Yeah. Is, brings out that Metallica t-shirt and like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to ask you about a couple scenes with him, actually. And the first one is um, when you're holding him back with the fire. Yeah. And then also the other really emotional one is when he when he dies at Bebember. Uh, could you speak maybe to those scenes where you kind of catch him there too? Yeah. Now you now that you say it, I did have in both of them. I had his his head in my arms. Yeah. Hmm. It looked like he was tough to hold back at that fire. <laughs> It was it, he was we actually yeah it was because the, the house was burning we only had so many takes we can do mm. so it was it was very rushed and he he's a force of nature and and it was obviously it's very real because they don't like practice much but we just like go for it and then you you have to hold a person back i felt a strong like those moments moments like that was like the strongest connection with him because i think I think our characters are quite, they're not necessarily empaths per se, mm -hmm. but when they, when it comes to someone that they're close to, this level of empathy really grows. And the moment, moment of that, of the house burning, because of him being the way he is in that moment, there's, it, his pain transfers to you. Like mm -hmm. I felt like his pain transferred to Citric. And in that moment, I'm not sure if that's what I thought, but I felt like this could be my family. Yeah. You know, this could be my yeah. family. And, wow. and I think the empathy of it is then it, it just takes over. And wow. in this scene of his death, cause we're just bonding. We're at that level. We're like the first three episodes of season four, he's single. Now he has nothing to lose. And now he's, he's part of our team. We're on a ship. We're on a boat making fun laughing from from uh young uh young, young Utrid, Utrid, yeah making jokes about that so we're now bonding to next degree we're now we're all now castaways he doesn't have a family i i can't see mine we're, we don't have a home so we're just the band of like rebels who wow, have man. nothing to lose and we're here that's all we have it's just us and when he like he he dies I think with the moment of catching him, you what I felt and thought of as Citric or myself is that this man just gave his himself away. He 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 put himself in front of an arrow to protect protect another man's legacy, which he will not build himself anymore. He will mm -hmm. not have that legacy. So to to see him drop in your hands and. I guess in that moment, the pain of all of Team Utrid fell into your own heart. So you're like, you're sad for your, you, you feel pain because you lose this man from your life, but you also feel that Utrid's pain. Yeah. Like every single cast, uh, cast, not cast members, but like characters pain. And it yeah. just falls into your heart in that moment. And yeah, it was tough. Well, what is it like as like also a cast member and and a you know a fellow actor losing him, Ian Hart, who's been such a core of the show too? Yeah, was, was there something to that? There's definitely definitely a lot to that. I think 
everyone on set that was his last day on set as well it's gotta every, be emotional it was very emotional every single one of us i don't know if they're i can tell it i think every single one of us had like a, a very vulnerable moment of of tears because it's sure when we said goodbye because because he's he's just leaving now he's not going to be with us and he's been such a core core member of just spending time with him learning because mm-hmm. learning from ian in terms of his how easy he makes it look i think every everything good in life m- must look effortless it might have a lot of effort in inside, but from but the it outside, looks yeah. it looks effortless. So everything he'd done was always so effortless, and to 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 lose that and his sense of comedy and and I've learned a lot about history with him because he's very into that. Mm-hmm. And to just lose that that member and not having any more, it's it's different. It's 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 yeah. weird it's, as well as as you mentioned we've. We're such a family by, by season four, you spend so much time together and every year that bond, it never weakens. It just grows stronger. Mm-hmm. So to say goodbye to someone like that. Wow. Like, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end here. We just want to ask a few more questions about um, anything in the future that we can expect from you um, as an actor. I mean, know season five will be coming up. Is there anything mm-hmm. else? Well, I'm currently, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot, actor's life is, is always, the life of an actor is always waiting, hearing no's or not hearing them. So obviously because of the season, there are a couple of things that you just can't do mm-hmm. because there's, you're locked into this. But you'll definitely be seeing me a lot more, especially in your home country, definitely. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because that's that's always been my dream, and that's always I've been working on, and that's always that's something that I always knew that I'm gonna be doing in the future. So, so going off that, what are some of your bigger goals? It's it's a funny thing to say, but I really love westerns. I love oh yeah. Westerns. One day I I'd love to do a, I'd love to do a western. Oh, what's your favorite I'm, one? Or favorite couple? Well, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Definitely. Favorite ten. <laughs> yeah, good, the bad, and the ugly are definitely, definitely them. Fistful of dollars. Then I can't remember which one was with Charles Bronson, the Sergio Leone mm-hmm. one. Because he, I know that Charles Bronson initially is also he's of Lithuanian descent, which really? I only recently recently found out. I love. And Charles I know Bronson. that he, Sergio Leone would buy Clint Eastwood because he couldn't afford. Charles Bronson up until what was it? The good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Perhaps. Mm. So I like those obviously. Um, yeah. Mainly Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone stuff is, is something that I spent yeah. a lot of time yeah. watching. Yeah, those 60s, are great. Those 60s Westerns. That's awesome. That's awesome. something, something I want to do. Yeah. You yeah. could be the new doc holiday or something. I don't know. That'd be sweet. <laughs> One day, definitely that. And and I'd like to explore more drama. It's nice to do something, you know, so action packed and then something even further vulnerable just to, mm-hmm. just to keep yourself. Mix it up. Mix it up a little bit. Variety is the spice of life. So absolutely. absolutely. And hot sauce. Well, yeah. Hot sauce. Oh, yeah. Hot sauce. <laughs> what kind of hot, hot sauce? sauce? What kind of hot sauce? 
Oh, I, I try and get guy. different ones all the time. Honestly, I try and I remember my room, Coley. I had like all the bottles of the different types I had. Yeah, you did. Yeah you, yeah, you did. <laughs> I, my girlfriend hated that. <laughs> did it have a smell, Coley? Did it like a... No, I cleaned it out. I don't want to mention the, what Steve's room. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Steve's, room, Steve's room smelled good, fine. It smelled fine. Fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. No. Oh. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, so... um. We also uh, ask our guests any other shows you've been watching recently or movies that you'd recommend or that you've really liked. I'm, speaking of older movies, I've like I'm a big fan of like the seventies, eighties cinema. So I've just re- this weekend I just rewatched uh, The Great Escape. Okay. With, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Charles Bronson and mm-hmm. a lot of amazing actors. So I like that. Recently rewatched again Bullet. With Steve, okay. with the, do you know that one with the one of the most famous car chase scenes in the entire history of car chase scenes? I don't think I've seen it. But. I've only oh. seen it once, but yeah, it, I yeah, he's okay. he's great in uh, whatever he's in. But oh, you need to that. I recently rewatched, um, finished Ozark. I don't watch a lot oh, of shows, so good. But I just binged that. I spent a week. Ozark is I so came good. London, I came to London and I just spent a week watching that and I'm like. So good. The, you so you finished it. You saw that the performance of the brother in the last season. Um, I forget his name. Um, the wife's brother. Oh, oh, oh my, my god. god! I cried. Oh my god! Rip my heart out. Rip wow. my heart out. Yeah, his performance was because you sort of like hate him, but then he comes in and you're like, oh my god! There's so many levels to this guy. So many layers, and you, you can't even understand him. He's just you know. His life is just amazing. He did a great job. Looks like we're pretty much out of time. We just want to say thank you, Arnest, yeah. for, for joining us. Um, really enjoyed this talk with you, and we really appreciate the opportunity yeah, to talk with you. Yeah, great talk. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. on with us. And uh, people, we'll, we'll link your IMDB and all that down below, too, in the and description. Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So check yeah. out Arnis for sure. Absolutely. Make really sure to really check out his podcast, too, from uh, The Last oh, Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> I really thank you for having me because it's I I didn't like I I knew from because I ha, I just had James James Northcote over before mm-hmm. before we went into here, and I he had his experience. Everyone that had something to do with you guys had just amazing experiences. And oh. it, was, it wasn't just like it's not just an it doesn't feel like just an interview, but it's a it's a journey of questioning because you pick up on like very specific beautiful little details that become themes so i appreciate you being so thorough and uh, asking such powerful questions that make you wonder and consider yourself a little bit more awesome so yeah well, we i mean that's why we that. wanted to uh that's why we want to do this uh i i never really liked the uh the the blank kind of questions you see on youtube uh like oh yeah. who was the your first crush or you know things like that <laughs> Yeah, like, we just I, want to get in the nitty like, gritty and yeah. I, well, yeah, yeah. So this is awesome. So, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, thank you. Amazing. So thank you please, yeah. So everyone, please check us out too. Subscribe to the Screen Chronicles, and we'll have more to come. And um, for now, uh, goodbye from Arnis Federovicius and the Screen Chronicles. Thank you. Guys.